Hello, everyone, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode, another episode of the Victorious Ones podcast. This, I would say, this podcast is the ultimate intersection where gaming meets comics, meets sports, including wrestling, uh, meets meets movies, meets inspiration, and of course, of course, I go by the name Inspiration. Of course, you know, with, with a word of wisdom, uh, I go by the go by the name of King Von Junior. You can follow me on social media on Twitter at three hundred one King Von Junior on Instagram at Mister King Von Junior. You can also follow. The show's Instagram page at Victorious at Victorious Ones Podcast. I'm also I'm also the social media producer for the unpopular review wrestling show Perfect Plex Talk Radio. And speaking of wrestling, this past weekend was a milestone. You know, of course, not only was it Money in the Bank. Congratulations to Liv Morgan for you know for cashing in and um, you know and, and becoming the SmackDown Women's Champion and just being the MVP of that entire night. First and foremost, um, congratulations to you. But Something even that I say even bigger was a huge birthday milestone. I'll say the 65th birthday of my first, you know, my 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 original favorite wrestler starting out, um, and among my all time favorites still. And I think this is a very special occasion because this past uh, Saturday was the birthday of Canada's all time greatest, the goat himself, the greatest technical wrestler, you know, with the greatest uh, submission move as well. None other than the excellence of execution, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. None other than Brett the Hitman, Brett the Hitman Hart. And so, for me, like I said, you know, like my introduction to wrestling, um, the first guy that really caught my eye was certainly Bret Hart. You know, Brett for me was like a life-size, you know, like superhero if you will you know what i mean um you know and, and the reason why i say that was was because why you know why, why i saw him you know with, you know let me slow down um the thing is the thing about brett especially when it came to the sunglasses when it came to the cool leather jacket with the you know the shoulder pads um you know and f- for him to make for him to be the first dude to make pink look cool long before cameron you know what i mean so brett was definitely ahead of his time and so um you know like, you know in terms of the pink and black attack you know the uh sharpshooter you know, because, you know, because I remember, you know, obviously, you know, growing up with the old WWF Raw, you know, WWF uh, Raw video games with like Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo and things like that. And, um, you know, and, and for him to pretty much be like the face of, of that generation, if you will, you know, you know what I mean? So, um, so, you know, so for me, like I say, you know, the, the thing is, you know, like by the time I, by the time I started, obviously by that point, uh, HH, Mr. Red and Yellow was, you know, was certainly past his prime and, on his and out the door and on his way to WCW. Meanwhile, Brett was, you know, like I said, was was the front runner, um, you know, for that new generation, if you will, led by him, along with the likes of Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker, uh, Diesel, Razor, RIP. Um, you know, pretty much the, those were the guys that were at the forefront of that era. And so, um, you know, so, so of course, with with that being said, you know, without further ado, I definitely want to explore, uh, you know, the career of one of the most transcendent. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, one of the most, um, tr- you know, one of the most transcendent wrestlers of all time, one of the most influential wrestler- wrestlers of all time. You know, a guy who, in his own right, is certainly a pioneer. Um, and, you know, and, and of course, you know, of course, um, you know, you know, sorry about that. Um, like I said, you know, you know, of course, Brett, you know, as, as I said, you know, you know, because as I say, you know, as I say, as I call him Canada's greatest, um, Brett specifically came from Calgary, Alberta, Canada, born on July 2nd, 1957 to Stu and Helen Hart, you know, you know, born uh, among 
about like 12 or 13 siblings or something. And I think he's like the seventh or eighth, um, you, know, um, you know, of course, among them. And, you know, you know, you know of course, um, you know, you know, you know, of course, that, of course, that family was, you know, is certainly one of wrestling's, biggest uh, one of wrestling's greatest dynasties in my estimation. You know, what I mean, up, you know, up there with the likes of the Anuani family, um, the Von Erics, the Guerreros. You know, what I mean, so you know, it's, it's, you know, so so as far as that, for me, I would say that the hearts, um, you know, that the hearts are certainly um, within that conversation when it comes to greatest. Um, you know, when, when it comes to when it comes to greatest. Greatest wrestling families of all time. So, and I remember last year watching. Um, uh, uh, you know, I remember, in fact, I, I remember last year watching um, Andy's document documentary on Bret Hart, and I definitely enjoyed that documentary. I could say that it was probably my favorite documentary out of all of them. But top three with that, um, Shawn Michaels and Stone Cold. But it's just something about the way that story was told, and especially the way it ended. It's it it really said a lot to me. It really solidified everything I've said about Bret Hart, everything I've thought about him. You know what I mean? And so and like and, and for me, even though it wasn't you know specifically WWE, um, you know so you know sort of a doc, documentary, but you know but you know but but but, but it's it like I said it was it was, it was something about it that um you know like I said it, it really put Brett to me in the, in the best light possible. Um, and so, and, 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 and a reason why, and a reason, a big reason why I bring that up is because there was something that I, I never knew before. Originally, I never knew that Brett originally, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, I guess, I guess I never knew that Brett originally like wanted to be like, a, uh, wanted to be a filmmaker. You know what I mean, and so it's, and and the thing about it, of course, he grew up in a wrestling family, and so some, you know, so of course, some somewhere 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 along the line, um, as things didn't really pan out in that area, he was like, you know what, let me go and try my hand at this wrestling thing, and so, um, you know, of course, growing up with you know with his dad being a being a promoter and being a trainer, you know what I mean, you know, you know, Brett naturally naturally knew how to defend himself. So as a kid, you know, when um, when people try to pick on him. He knew he knew how to defend himself, you know what I mean, and 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 not only that, but he was even using submission holds on people, you know what I mean. So, uh, so I, you know, so to hear that, that was pretty cool. But um, but, you know, but, but you know, but of course, um, you know, but, but of course, of course, the fast for, fast forward with this, fast forward with this, um, early on when you know, early, early on in Brett's career, um, obviously started started out in his dad's promotion, uh, Stampede Wrestling, and he, you know, of course, he made his debut in the late seventies between. Like 1976 to 78, of course, he started out as a um, as a referee, but it wasn't too long before you know before eventually he became um, one of the top stars, if not the top star, in stamp in Stampede Wrestling. And so, it wasn't until 1984 that um, that Brett, along with his brother in law Jim the Anvil Nightheart, um, along with his you know along, um, along along with his other in laws, if you will, uh, Davy Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid, um, you know, it, it was it was at that time. That they all jumped ship to at the time WWF, as we all know WWE, because at that time uh, Vince McMahon was taking over territories. He was collect, he was collect, he was pretty much you know he was, he was he was collecting territories the same way Thanos was collecting Infinity Stones, wiping out each promotion with a snap of his finger. You know what I mean? And, and so, um, at, you know, of course, as, as a result of him acquiring um, the rights to Stampede Wrestling, not only did he acquire the rights to their matches. 
to like the film film library and things like that but you know but along with along with that package you know came um the wrestlers you know that that, that came from the from that promo- promotion including brett himself and so um so, you know so, so, you know so, so of course like i said you know like, like um, let me slow down of course brett originally arrived in the wwe or wwf in 1984 this is when wrestling was having this huge uh global expansion and everything like that um and so you know it's, it's, it's so of course um by the way side note for anybody that happens to see like those hitman 84 jerseys 84 represents the year that he that, that he made his debut so that's the whole thing but um but, you know but you know but you know it's, it, like i said brett's one of those guys that have there's like so many facts that i know that i know about i can forget more about brett hart than a lot of people can even begin to know um you know and it's and it's, it's not a brag or anything like that but anyway um back at you know back back at the, back at the time uh you know basically sorry about that of course back at the time brett didn't exactly have an identity yet and so um you know so, you know so, so so just so of course um he was with he was with the company just in time for wrestlemania one but like i said at like i said at that point he didn't, he didn't have that he didn't have a def- definitive identity a definitive character yet it wasn't until uh he read a newspaper i read this in his book it wasn't until he read a newspaper about Tommy Hearns um, apparently announcing his retirement at that time, and so of course um, Tommy Hearns' nickname was the Hitman, and so Brett was looking for a character name, and so when he saw the name Hitman, it was like, that's it, you know what I mean? Like you know he's gonna call himself Brett the Hitman Hart, and so but you know so so of course with of course with that, eventually, uh, him and his brother-in-law uh, uh, Jim Nightheart became repackaged as the Hart Foundation. You know, Nightheart became the Anvil, and initially they originally they were not wearing the pink, uh, the pink and black. They were wearing different colorways, like you know, like black and red, black and blue. You know what I mean? Like black and like yellow or something like that. You know what I mean? And so, um, and of, and of course, it was at that time that Gorilla Monsoon was the one who originally called him the Excellence of Execution, and the Heart Foundation worked very, very well. They they were an excellent tag team. For me, I always have to say when it comes to greatest uh, '80s tag. Uh, tag teams in the WWF for me the Hart Foundation is number one um and so and 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 the thing is even when it comes to greatest tag teams of all time period they're constantly at best within that top five conversation and you know it's, 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 you know, so, so so of course like I said you know so of course that tag team worked to perfection you know because Brett was the faster more dynamic technical um part of the team Anvil was a powerhouse and more so and more so the uh, the better talker as far as promos and uh, you know of course not only that but you also had jimmy hart as their manager and and, and it, it wasn't until like late 86 early 87 where um where they where they eventually cha- changed their colors to you know where, where they eventually changed their colors to the signature trademark pink and black and so you know so, you know so you know so, so of course um when like i said you know you know sorry about that when it, like I said, when, when it, like I said, and, and, and let me slow down. When it came, when it came to his time as a tag team, and one of the things that I credit Brett for in terms of being sort of a pioneer is, for me, I would say that Brett was the one that established the blueprint when it came to wrestlers that wanted to make the transition from tag team to singles. And even when he was with the Hart Foundation, there were points in time where you know that there was a point in time where Vince was was slightly. Um, take him you know where, where vince was you know where vince uh, from time to time was slightly taking take him away from the tag team kind of you know you know you know you know so, so I, I, let me slow down 
there was a point in time where Vince was sort of, you know, was sort of taking him away from the tag team, kind of experiment, if you will, um, kind of dip his water into sort of like the singles pool. And there, you know, and the thing, it was like around late 87, 88-ish, around that time, where Brett in around 88, 89 or something like that, where, you know, um, where, where there was a span of time where, where Brett was actually having, having some really nice singles matches. And there was even a point, I read in Brett's book, where, um, where there was even a point where he even received more fan mail than HH. You know what I mean, and that, and if anything, that was a sign of things to come, and that was just a sign of you know of, of, of what this guy was capable was what this guy was capable of. But but like but anyway, like I said, you know, uh, anyway, um, you know, but back to back to the main topic, um, like you know, like, like I said, when it, when it came to the Heart Foundation, Brett to me was the guy that set the standard. He he established the blueprint on how to make the successful transition from tag team to singles. And after that, you had guys like Shawn Michaels following those footsteps. You had Edge, uh, Jeff Hardy, whatever, you know, whoever it is you want to name. Um, Brett was the one initially for me who did it first. And so, um, you know, so, so, you know, so of course, a- after his tremendous success with the Heart Foundation, then eventually it was time for him to move on to bigger and better things, officially full time becoming um, a single star. And the first big step when it came to single success obviously it was the mid card and that's when he first set his sights on the intercontinental championship and you know of course this led way to um you know to, to, to that classic SummerSlam match with mr perfect where brett um you know of course where brett um defeats uh, defeats mr perfect with a, with a sharpshooter to win his first intercontinental title and um you know of course of course his champion brett was an excellent IC champion um he had a great first run eventually he had to drop it to the Mountie a little bit, uh, at least a little bit before the Royal Rumble, um, and, and, of course, and of course, eventually, eventually the Royal Rumble itself, the Mountie dropped it to Piper, where Piper would be the transition, you know, at least sort of, you know, sort of like the transitional champion during WrestleMania season, where ultimately um, he would ha- he would have a classic match with Brett at WrestleMania eight. To me, in my estimation, I would say that that was the best match of that. Uh, it would it was arguably the best match of the night other than Savage versus Flair. And when it comes, when it came to Piper's catalog for me, I would have to say that that was the best uh, Piper match that I've ever seen in large part because of who he was in the ring with, you know what I mean? And and the fact that Brett was able to bring more of that wrestler side out of Piper instead of just being, instead of just being a brawler, Um, you know what I mean? So it's, and and, and, and of course, of course, ultimately, like I said, ultimately Brett went, went into being, End up being the winner, and um, you know, of course, of course holding, um, you know, holding on to the title for the second and ultimately last time, which led into that classic SummerSlam match. To me, the greatest, still to this day, holds up in my estimation as the greatest SummerSlam match of all time in Wembley Stadium versus the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. And for me, I have to say that that was the greatest match of Davy Boy's career. You know, be, you know, because of the fact that Brett gave, um, you know, of, you know, of, of course, when, of course, recipes of the British Bulldog, but in my estimation. When it, came, when it came to Bret Hart, Davey had the greatest matches of, of his career, of his life. And this match was no different. If anything, this was the signature defining image of the Bulldog, defining match, defining moment of his career. And it was certainly one of the defining moments of Bret's career because this match showed that Bret was, you know, showed that Bret had what it had what it took to go to the next level beyond just being, beyond being the Intercontinental Champion. And so, and, and and of course, what was what was even more special was the fact that this match was the headliner, was the main event, even over, um, 
warrior versus like uh savage you know whatever um you know what i mean like you know this this match carried that entire SummerSlam, and obviously, obviously the match of the night the match of that year and truly solidified brett and put him on the map even more you know and so fast forward to october of 92 at like you know at an un- at an untelevised um uh, house show in in, um, in Saskatchewan, Canada, where Brett defeats Ric Flair to, to win his first out of five WWF championships. And so this year marks exactly 30 years, 30 years since Brett first became a champion. And so I have to say this, Brett was the perfect choice at a time like that where wrestling was making, uh, let's say, a hard transition because of what was going on, with, you know, because of what was going on at the time with, uh, with, with you know, uh, because because of what was going going on at that time uh, with the steroid trial, you know, with you know with uh, you know of course with you know with guys like HH, um, you know you know Mister Red and Yellow, you know we don't really you know dignify him over here, uh, him uh, Ultimate Warrior, many others um, who got caught red-handed, if you will, and so by so by this point, Vince really had to do damage control. He really had to. Um, overhaul the image of the company and so the guy that was the best choice at that at that moment at that time the one that was the most proven was brett brett was the most proven guy to lead the company into the future the way it needed to be led you know what i mean and and, and so and and, and and that's that's the reason why i beat the reason why i beat flair because of the fact that um it would have it would have let's say yeah you know i'll say it like this um it would not have really been as legit if you kept the title on a guy that's, you know, that that's essentially sort of deemed kind of out essentially deemed as an outsider, if you will, um, such as flair. And plus by that point, flair was, you know, but, you know, but, 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 you know, of course, but of course, by that point, um, flair was in his forties. Um, you know, you know, I mean, even, even though, even though, even that's, you know, even though it's crazy to think about is especially considering how much longer his career lasts even after that, you know what I mean? You know, but, but, you know, but at the, at the same time, if you're going to invest in your future, Flair was not the guy to invest in, you know, because of the fact that he was on the doorstep of 44, 45. And so you re- we really needed somebody that, that was, let's just say Brett was a young veteran. And so when he became the champion, um, he pretty much had to, you know, had, had to use uh, what he had and had to deal with what was given to him. So let's just say at that point, they didn't really have a lot of great, like, monstrous uh, heels and, you know, a lot of, like, you know, really strong characters. So this is at the time that was still, you know, doing a lot of cartoonish stuff. So, um, you know, so, you know, so, so of course, so, of course, so, you know, so, of course, certain, um, you know, of course, his opponents were the likes of Papa Shango, uh, Kamala, Virgil, you know, what I mean, you know, all, all these other people like, you know, you know, um, you know, you know, whatever cartoonish type of character. Um, you know, it was around, you know, was around, was around at that time or whatever. Um, you know, I mean, like, you know, just, you know, just kind of like just certain, you know, almost, you know, certain, certainly, you know, just certain stuff was just kind of silly at the time, if you will. Um, out, outside of those, oh, you know, another one, um, I think he also had matches with guys like Warlord, Berserker, you know what I mean? Not exactly world-class competition, but on the other end of that, he still had, um, some pretty nice opponents. You know, like, you know, first and foremost, his greatest rival of all time, Shawn Michaels, um, you know, you know, of course, uh, you know, of course, starting out um, d- uh, during his range champion. He also, you know, of course, you know, of course, he, of course, um, let me slow down. 
He also had a great match uh, with Razor Ramon at the nineteen ninety three Royal Rumble. You know what I mean? And if, if, you know, like you know, what I mean, it's as far as far as so as far as that. So um, so coming along, his, his first title run, title run, um, was pretty solid, leading uh, at least up until we get to the worst WrestleMania of all time, WrestleMania nine. Where you know where his championship, where his first championship run, um, was ultimately sabotaged by controversy. You know, first of First and foremost, dropping the title to Yokozuna, who would eventually drop the title to HH, who had no business being the champion in the first place. And there, and, and another thing I read in Brett's book was that initially, um, that year SummerSlam, HH was going to lose the title to him with a sharpshooter. But of course, in typical politician fashion, HH uh, declined and instead wanted to drop the belt to Yokozuna. You know what I mean, and duck Bret Hart completely because you know because you know because he refused to you know to have his pride broken, his ego broken by get you know by tapping out to a guy that's smaller than him. Even though this guy would wrestle this same guy, Bret Hart wrestled circles around him. Uh, you know, but you know, but 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 the thing is, even even with that setback, Bret still found way to climb back up the mountain. Um, first and foremost, obviously winning the winning the King of the Ring. Um, you know, of course, uh, winning the 1983 King of the Ring, defeating the likes of Bam Bam Bigelow, Razor Ramon, excuse me, um, you know, it's a Bam Bam Bigelow, Razor Ramon, and of course, Mr. Perfect. And the fun and the fascinating thing about that is that he beat all of them without using a sharpshooter. And of course, that led into his on again, off again feud with a washed up Jerry the King Lawler, who I felt had no business really having a feud with Bret Hart in the first place. And then, you know, of course, another feud that, that he got caught up, they caught, got caught up in was a feud with his younger brother, Owen Hart. And that, you know, that, that, that'll ultimately lead into um, their opening match at WrestleMania 10, which was, for me, is even to this day, is probably still the greatest opening match of all time. Um, that, along with WrestleMania 31, Seth Rollins versus Randy Orton. Um, and, so, you know what I mean? And, and so, you know, so, so of course, but, but at the same time, even later that night at WrestleMania 10, Brett got his redemption by defeating Yokozuna to reclaim the WWF Championship. And so, um, you know, and I'll, I'll just say, and of, and of course, um, this adds even more fuel to the fire of the, you know, when it came to his feud, when it came to his feud with Owen. And I just want to give a little side note with this. I know there are people, with all due respect to Owen, I know there are people, especially today, for some reason, with the, you know, in this age of social media, who out of nowhere had these had these takes, saying that Owen was better. You know. Say what you want, whatever that's your opinion, but based off of resume, based off of their career, based off of what they accomplished, um, at that you know you know you know based based off what each of each of them had, uh, based off of what based off of what each of them had accomplished, um, at that point, if Owen was better, then he would have been the leader of the Hart Foundation instead of Brett. To say that Owen was better would be like saying that uh, I'll say it like this: to say that Owen was better would be like saying that five times WWE made the wrong decision by having Brett as the um, as the champion. To say that Owen was better was would be like saying that he was a better Intercontinental Champion than Brett, when clearly Brett was by far better Intercontinental Champion. In fact, Brett is one of the greatest Intercontinental Champions, arguably top five Intercontinental Champion of all time. And to say that Owen was better than Brett was is is like saying that he was a better tag team champion than Brett. When, like I said before, the Hart Foundation are one of the top five greatest uh, tag teams of all time. 
You know what I mean? And so it's 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 just like that's the I think I think part I think things like that are the reasons why I don't really deal with hot takes too well. Um, and I don't mean to stay, belabor this point for too long, but you know, like I said, that's something I really had to get off my chest, especially since this episode uh, dedicated to Bret Hart. You know what I mean? So when it comes to anything, any type of Bret Hart slander, I'm not the one for it. You know what I mean? So, um, like I said, I'm just putting it out there. You know, like like I said, I'll say it like this: um, Owen was certainly a better athlete. He was a better high flyer. But when it came to just complete technician, and when it came to you know, like, you know when it came to complete technician for me, Brett was that guy. And Brett was the guy, not, you know, not, not only because of the fact that he was uh, more marketable because he was a bigger, you know, because he was a bigger star, which, you know, which he naturally was. And, you know, not, not only because, you know, not, not only because, he, you know, because he was a bigger draw, but because of the fact that he could also back it up in the ring as well. So um, when when somebody's elevated beyond, you know, when, when somebody is booked or elevated as being greater, it's not just because of star power, whatever, you know, star, star power alone, but also be, you know, also because, you know, like they're, they're oftentimes because of what they can do in the ring. And Brett was the ultimate greatest storyteller. Nobody can, there are very few, if there's nobody that, that can take a beating like Bret Hart. And plus, not only that, Brett was more believable as a champion as well. You know what I mean? You know, like, you know, it, you know, so, you know, so the thing is when it came to, when it came to the Hart Foundation, Brett was the biggest draw. Um, he was the biggest, you know, he's the biggest leader. He was the best, just pure technician in my estimation, um, especially especially just when it came to telling stories. You know, you know, you know, you know what I mean. So, 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 of course, as far as that, like I said, you know, like I said, you know, Brett, Brett was that guy, and so, and not, and not only that, but as far, I'm just gonna go like I said, like this. When it came to Brett being a champion, what made him so what what made him so great, and I appreciate Andy um, for touching this, is the fact that he carried it with honor he carried that title with pride he carried it with respect especially when I, especially on the documentary when i saw the video um of him and razor going to New, you know go, you know go, I was, I was, sorry about that especially um in that in that documentary when um let me slow down let me slow down especially 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 in the documentary when him and razor um, a driver through the hood, and he's and he comes out. Um, let me see, sorry about that. Let me slow down. Espe I'll say it like this. Espe especially, um, I'll say it like this. Especially in the documentary where him and Razor um, are driving. You know, especially sorry about that. Especially um, in that part of the documentary where um, you know where, where him and Razor um, are driving through the hood, and Brett comes out and he has a championship and all those kids. Are coming up to him and you know and you know and and, and it was just amazed by that and for, and, for, and for brett to take that title anywhere you know what i mean if even even in a neighborhood like that and you know like i said that moment like moments like that are the reason why brett has such a huge following especially when it comes to black fans especially when it comes to black wrestling fans like myself the fact that a and e showed showed that side of brett for you know for, you know for, for him to take that title to neighborhoods like that i mean you know what i mean like you know for, for him to take for him to represent as a champion and be an ambassador and carry that title even in inner city street you know and you know like you know um, you know the, sorry about that you know even when even when even when it came to 
carrying that title and you know like you know like um you know like the lower sort of like inner um you know sort of like inner city inner city um you know like hood areas or whatever you know what i mean if 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 you know, like if, if for and for him to you know like you know if, if for him for him to show up and not you know and, and for, him, for him to show up and not be afraid you know what i mean and and, and, and like i said and, and just and just to carry that title you know with so much inspiration you know with, with so with so with like i said with so much confidence you know what i mean you know what i mean like and and just how cool he was and even to this day how cool he still is you know what i mean so like like i said to to, to see that part was really really big for me and um and you know, and, 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 so, and like you know, like I said, you know, like for for me, just, just moment, just moments like that, you know, just you know, just you know, just like just like I said, just moments like that, stories like that, are really, really, really huge, really stand out for me. Um, you know, really stand out for me when when it comes when it comes to being a fan of his. And so you know, so so of course you know, not, of course not only that, but of course I want to you know also want to tap into, uh, let's say his rivalry with Shawn Michaels, and. You know, and, and, and like and like I said, you know, like I said, especially especially considering the fact that they have very similar paths. They both started out um, as tag team specialists. Brett with the Hart Foundation, Sean with the Rockers. Right after that, they both became um, IC champions and eventually became world champions. And so, when it comes to HBK, that is Brett's ultimate rival, greatest dance partner, greatest villain. When it comes to Brett versus Sean, I'll say it like this. Uh, it's like they were meant to be rivals. They're meant to be dance partners. For those of us who are gamers, I'm going to use two analogies. I'll use First, I'll use the Street Fighter analogy. Brett was more like Ryu, the more focused, you know, uh, more serious, uh, technician, you know, technical fighter. Shawn Michaels is more like Ken, the flashier, more flamboyant uh, type of fighter. You know, you know, so um, you know, who has a certain cool factor, if you will, more charismatic, more charismatic. Um, on the other end, let's use a Mortal Kombat example. Bret Hart, Sub Zero. Shawn Michaels was Scorpion. Plain and simple. Um, and I will say that. We keep saying, um, but the thing is, I will say that they certainly brought the best out of each other in many different ways. Um, you know, it's it's just that you cannot tell the story of one without the other. And you know, like I said, they're eternal rivals, and I will say that that the apex of their rivalry took place ultimately at. WrestleMania 12, the Iron Man match. You know, there's a lot of criticism about that match because of how long it took. Especially with it being a WrestleMania. Um, but at the same time, uh, I was, just, I was just, but you know, but but this, but at the same time, it has a way of holding up just because of historical importance and because of what it mean, what it meant to, what it meant to that feud. What it meant to that rivalry, um, and and you know, and, and just how special special was, especially because because of the fact that it was at WrestleMania. You know, I feel like for any rivalry to really, you know, to have this level of significance for it to to really be one of the upper echelon rivalries, you have to have a WrestleMania match. And 
Brent and Sean certainly had that. Um, you know, Brent and HBK had that. Had that. And um, and of course, that match still holds, you know, still held in high regard because, <coughs> excuse me, because of what it meant, because of what it meant to Sean's career and his elevation and everything like that. And also, it was a proverbial passing of the torch. And um, and it's just so you know. And of course, another analogy I like to use as well, not only with the video game analogies, but also with the music analogies as well. Bret Hart, of course, a shout out to the Job Tears podcast um, for for that for this meme for this topic, and also shout out to the Public Enemies podcast for going into more detail about it. And this is exactly how I feel. I've thought about this before, but it makes perfect sense. Bret Hart's Prince, Shawn Michaels, Michael Jackson. Bret. Uh, was the most technically sound wrestler of his time and really, in my estimation, of all time. Prince, the most technically sound musician of his time, possibly of all time. Brett knew over 38,000 holds. Prince played over 38,000 you know, 38, instruments, probably. Um, they both took colors that were usually meant, quote-unquote, for girls and made them look cool. Prince, obviously, with purple. Purple Rain, which is, you know, signature album, purple signature color. Bret Hart's signature color, pink and black. Bret's pink and black attack, if you will, um, was his version of Purple Rain. Shawn Michaels, on the, other, on the other hand, being Michael Jackson. Michael is the king of pop. Shawn Michaels is Mr. WrestleMania. You know, Michael had Thriller. Shawn was the showstopper. Both, you know, uh, had their share of controversies. Both inspired, you know, entire generation of many me's, if you will. Um, and you know, and, and the thing is, it's just like I don't want to spill too much, you know, in in um, in, in this sense, you know, be, you know, because um, you know, be, you know, because I might I might end up doing an episode or topic about Brett versus Sean. You know, I might have a debate episode thing or whatever. Um, but like I said, you know, you can't tell. The story of one without the other and you know like i said th their rivalry was initially initially came from um you know came from a sense of just natural competition to eventually it was driven out of ego and just absolute hate and you know just wanting to you know rip each other's head off if you will and of course all that bad blood eventually spilled over into you know what we saw later on but anyway after brett loses the title he transitions to the feud with you know the the, the rain in 1996 came of the ring and a, you know a rising a fast rising star uh formerly of wcw young man by the name another uh young a young man um is, who's also uh a native texan as well but uh, you know somebody you may may have heard of named stone cold steve austin and so, uh, you know, so of course their rivalry was not nearly as personal as uh, Brett versus Sean, but it was certainly an excellent rivalry in of itself. One of Brett's greatest out of his catalog, one of the greatest out of Stone Cold's catalog, outside, you know, one of Brett's greatest rivalries from his catalog outside of like Shawn Michaels, you know, Mr. Perfect, or even Owen. For uh, for Austin, it was one of his greatest rivalries, probably the his second best behind The Rock. And so, of course, um, you know, so, of course, they, they finally face off 
at the 1996 Survivor Series, Brett makes his pay-per-view return. Brett wins. And then this transitions into, well, I would say the apex of their feud, which was, the, of course, the legendary WrestleMania 13, WrestleMania 13 submission match. Um, you know, of course, that of course, the highlight of that was where Brett has Austin in the sharpshooter. And, you know, of course, Austin's face is covered is a crimson mask, as JR would say, covered, covered in blood, you know, all over the place. And that image of Austin's face and him not tapping out is historic. You know, what I mean, it's match defining, it's career defining, it changed the forever elevated the trajectory of Stone Cold's career from that point moving forward even more so than King of the Ring. It was that match with Brett, which really, really solidified Austin as main event material. And of course, that eventually pays off the following year, WrestleMania 14, where the torch was officially passed by way of Shawn Michaels, fittingly enough. But anyway, um, you know, you know, Brett, you know, goes on to form the Hart Foundation, feuds with Austin and anybody else from America, you know, the Canada versus USA thing, but somewhere along the line, his paths once again cross with, you know, somewhere along, you know, somewhere within that, his path, path, you know, continues to cross with Shawn Michaels and that, and of course, their paths cross, uh, paths lead up, if you will, to their famous Survivor Series match for the WWF Championship known as the Montreal Screwjob. I'm not going to go into all that, uh, you know, you know, you know, all, all, you know, all that type of stuff has already been beaten like a dead horse already um so we all know i'll just say it like this vince screw brett i don't care what nobody else says you know and so um you know so, so of course this leads brett's career into a downward spiral goes to wcw is demoted really to pretty much relegated to more so mid-card status because you know because now you have him in matches with people who aren't even of his caliber um and so it's just like devaluing how important this dude really is all time and eventually gets to a point where he's in the ring with the ultimate dude, guy that's not of his caliber one william goldberg who ends his career with a horrible kick you know which led to a concussion you know a guy who clearly didn't care about uh keeping his opponent safe and ironically brett went throughout his whole career not never ever injuring his opponent he never ever ever uh, injured his opponent, but it just just so happens that his career ended with injury, which was the worst form of irony that you could ever have. Um, and so you know, like I said, after that, it's just like Brett was going through this downward spiral, where he loses his career. First and foremost, with the Montreal screw job, which led into you know the you know the um, the career ending concussion at the foot of Goldberg. He loses his brother, younger brother Owen, who he is, who he fought to defend, in you know, in uh, his whole life, you know, he made, made sure, went went throughout his whole life to look out for him, protect him, defend him at all costs. Um, you know, he, you know, he, you know, even even when they got into the WWF together, and um, you know, and Brett made sure to look out for Owen with that, you know, with that that rivalry, you know, to to the point where you know where Owen beat him at WrestleMania. You know, if it wasn't for Brett, you know, I mean, Owen would not have been in the position that he was in. Let's just make it clear. Um, so you lose your brother, you know, you know, lose your youngest brother. Um, you lose your career. 
ends up having a stroke, you know, uh, you know, of course he recovers from that. The survivor of prostate cancer. This dude's a warrior. You know what I mean? This dude was a champion in so many ways and shapes and forms. And it was an honor for me to meet him. This is 10 years since I met him, you know, and I still have the picture to this day. You know what I mean? It was an absolute honor, to, you know, to the point where uh, it, it was at a book signing. And he even asked me what was my favorite part of his book. I said, you know, look, my favorite part was when you finally, um, you know, uh, finally got got your push to be the world champion. You know what I mean? So that was that was an amazing moment. You know, it was, um, it was actually a book signing over at Bowie Bay Sox Stadium here in PG County area. Um, and so, of course, speaking of Sean, you know, thankfully, you know, you know, you know, of course, thankfully, Brett and Sean um, reconciled. You know, and in fact, it, you know, in fact, it was uh, Shawn Michaels who, you know, proposed the idea to Vince, you know, for Brett to come back. Um, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, so, you know, so, so of course, eventually, Brett does come back. You know, um, you know, uh, you know, of course, of course, Brett. Sorry about that. You know, of, of course, Brett does come back um, at the beginning of 2010. That first Raw of 2010, I was like, it was crazy. It was like life coming at you full circle. It was a blast from the past type of thing. And for them to have that moment, it was, was significant. You know what I mean? So, um, but like I said, you cannot have one without the other. And another cool fact, I've got to add this in here. Another thing I like about Brett, you know, th that they even mentioned was the fact that he's also an artist himself. And I'm a huge artist. You know, I love to draw. And I like how in the A&E documentary in the beginning, they actually show Brett drawing himself um, as the um, as, as the world champion. You know I mean, so, you know, so that so that was him being a visionary, you know, of, of, of you know, of what was to come. So, like I said, you know, Brett, you know, was, was a favorite of mine in so many different areas. So, like I said, this is, uh, you know, and of course, I like to go into my top 10 Bret Hart matches. Um, number 10 is a match with Mr. Perfect from King of the Ring 1993. Number nine versus the one, two, three kid from Raw 1994. Number eight, can, the Canadian Stampede match uh, from 1997. Number seven, um, you know, of course, this is a sort of underrated match. Um, I would have to say his WWF Championship match versus Shawn Michaels from Survivor Series 1992. Number six, his uh, uh, his match with Mr. Perfect for the IC title SummerSlam, SummerSlam 91. Number five, WrestleMania 10 versus Owen Hart. Number four, SummerSlam 1994 versus Owen. Number three, SummerSlam 92 versus, versus uh, British Bulldog. Number two, rest, uh, the Iron Man match at WrestleMania 12 with Shawn Michaels. And of course, number one, his submission match with Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania 13. So it was really tough to really fully rank Brett's matches because there's so many great matches in his catalog. So I was really wrestling with this going into this episode. But those are my top 10. So that's my tribute to the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. I also like to tell you tell you about Anchor. It's an app that you can use to record your podcast for free. Anchor will distribute your podcast to different platforms from Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere you want. All you have to do is, is go to Anchor for free. So, uh, of, of course, you know, of course, I want to give some birthday shout outs on July. Of course, on July 3rd, Tom Cruise turns 60. Montel Williams turns 66. Um, on July 4th, I believe it was, uh, Geraldo Rivera turned 79. Rizzo from the Wu-Tang Clan turned 53. 53. Royce the 5'9 turned 45. Sylvester Stallone uh, turned 76. You know, Royce the 5'9 turned uh, 45 on July 5th, 6th. 
and uh, Sylvester Stallone turned 76 on July 6th as well. Before I go, I, I would like to give a word of wisdom. Stand up for what you believe. Be un unapologetic and never bow down. And this word of wisdom came from, uh, uh, you know, was, you know, was inspired by a little episode that I had, um, you know, where I was kind of questioning, questioning my takes and opinions and things like that. So shout out to Janelle from Jabba Tears and others that are in the Jabba Tears Facebook uh, group. They gave me encouragement to never apologize for what I believe in and to never give in, you know, um, and if, you know, be, you know, because if, because if I did, if I do give in, then, you know, then nobody will respect me and respect the ground that I, that I have. Um, so, so from that, I say to you as well, stand up for what you believe, be uh, unapologetic and never bow down. No matter what your challenges are, remember that God, that remember that God has a plan for your life. You're victorious because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When you put God in first place, you don't have to worry about being the last place. Make sure to listen to this podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or iTunes. Thank you very much for listening.